Welcome to Elite Six Business Networking Think Tank, facilitated by your host, Danny DeHeck, the place where decision makers come together to share their experience, knowledge, and skills. And we say welcome along to the Think Tank meeting. We are about to start. We're going to do a quick introduction around the room today because it'd be nice. So if you haven't been to Elite Six Think Tank meeting before, we're a crazy bunch of self-employed people who like to talk uh, with like-minded people about the woes and the joys of working for ourselves. And we come together on a Friday at 9.30 and we come up with a Think Tank meeting and we discuss a topic. So today's topic is actually communication. So let's get the ball rolling. Let's just do a quick introduction so everyone knows who they are. Let's go around the room or around the, do you go around the room these days? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, let's start with uh, Stephen. Tell us about your hairdryer business. Good morning, Stephen Fitzgerald Architecture. Look, I design buildings, uh, work with clients for hill sites, healthy housing, off the grid, something different, um, energy efficient. Mate. That sounds exciting, mate. Who would like to go next? All right, I'm Matt James. There you go, Matt James. Boo. And boom. And I'm a business coach and consultant working in our practice in Rangio with my wife, who's the accountant side of life. So, yeah. That's good. And you uh, thought you were going to say you own a hairdressing salon, but then I thought, no, that's oh, not yeah. right. Yeah. Um, Floor polishing. Floor polishing. Well, now you've got the mic on. You tell us what you do, Paul. <laughs> uh, I'm Paul. Um, I run Canterbury Computers out in. Rangura, and we provide IT support for small businesses. And you sell 160,000 different electronics online. I'd like to, yes. Yeah, so working on that. That's good. So, uh, David Clarkson, sir. I'm David Clarkson from Dynamic Communication. We are public speaking and business presentation skills trainers, and we also do some soft business school training as well. We build more confident, more competent, more credible communicators. Yeah, and you've trained me. And look at me now. Look at me now. <laughs> hey, pretty cool. Uh, Clinton, do you want to have a go? Uh, yep, my name's Clinton Selby. Uh, I've got a business called Ergo Style. We provide ergonomic furniture and workplace solutions. Um, and I also run a co-working space, um, a shared co-working space in Ferrymead and Eddington. Yeah, you sold 300 chairs last week. Oh, yeah, I sold 300 chairs last week. Oops. Nice. Ever wonder who you're sitting on, Clinton? <laughs> um, uh, Chris, let's go there, and then we'll go Siphon and Jeline, Jeline, Jillian, Jillian. There we go. <laughs> I got it right. Shut up. <laughs> Chris, I'm Chris Cameron. Uh, just I run a company called Shizaki Martial Arts, and we provide life skill and bullyproofing self-defense applications for uh, youth and businesses. You kick ass. Absolutely, every day. <laughs> cool. All right, you two. Uh, this is Stefan Janine from uh, The Art Wave. Um, we help businesses of all sizes resolve pain points around their e-commerce and systems and integration. Sorry about kissing you uh, on the way through there, but I just noticed that somebody got kissed on camera then. So on the back of the head. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we'll oh, get Mark and then we'll go Sean. Sean. No, Sean. Yeah, it's Sean. <laughs> yeah, that was gross. That's all right. That's all right. I enjoyed it. Mark. All right. Well, I think that was my wife. I'm not sure. That part of <laughs> Happy customer. Yeah, so um, Mark Scown, um, insurance advisor at Broker for the last four years after many years as a school principal. But what I specialise in really is being able to um, work with individuals and um, give them long-term sustainability and affordability of those premiums that are going up by three, four, five thousand percent once you get to your late forties and beyond. Yep. That's what I do. Cool. And Sean, have you got your mute off? I can see you there walking around the park, especially around the neighbourhood. Right, Sean from Quality Clean, focus on pest controls, getting bugs and rotten. Can do water restorations and other stuff. Nah, cool. That's all right. You should get together with Chris, man. Um, Chris could kick it and then he'd kill it and then you could charge for it. I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> and uh, last but not least is uh, Lachlan. Tell us what you do. You're a pilot. Do you think so? Could do. You look kind of pilot to yours, like something like a Teletubby. Um, yes, oh, look, I'm a recruiter. I recruit for the architectural, engineering and science spaces, uh, in, mainly in New Zealand. Uh, I'm, although at the moment I'm doing a lot of work in renewable energy offshore in Pacific Islands. Well, I say a lot. Uh, I mean none because no one can fly anywhere. But if they could fly anywhere, I'd be really, really busy um, <laughs> making a great income. As it is, I'm waiting for the planes to take off. Also, some great candidates in South Africa. Um, so um, let's just say I, I'm a bit disappointed with myself. Um, so what I'm doing in the meantime is I've been sort of practicing my video skills and a few bits and pieces, but I'm building a bit of a community in the space that I work in. Um, uh, so I have a, quite a decent database, but I, 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 like a lot of people, I haven't made use, best use of it. So I'm just trying to make best use of that and tap into it, uh, building us some contractors and also just building a community in that area. Ah, well done. Thank you. And you guys had my heart racing before. It was 9.30 and I think we had two people in the room and all of a sudden everyone turns up. And I thought, that's lucky. Because then we've got a really good room. I'm loving it. So thank you very much for all turning up. It makes me uh, realise that getting up at 7.30 this morning is worthwhile. I'll put the razor blades away now. The time to go yet then. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> <Just> for leaving. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're here and he's just been. Danny's <laughs> yeah, doing a statue imitation. Oh, have I frozen up, have I? Yeah. No, you, you look like you've come right now. All oh, right. That's cool. Oh, no, it's going to be blurry. I don't want blurry. So much better. Play. Oh, no, I'm just going to get rid of a, a screen or two. Um, right, so... Um, start. You're sharing your screen. Yeah, I'm working on that. Um, what we're going to do is um, lick your lips and um, start re um, getting ready to, um, what do you call it, um, talk. So... <laughs> Hopefully this comes right this time. Oh, it's not very good. Oh, anyway, so if you haven't been to Think Tank meeting before, what we do is we have a topic which is communication today, and we're going to talk about people's experiences, um, problems with communication, and then come up with some solutions, and hopefully we come up with some takeaways. Uh, this week at our other meetings, uh, we talked about, um, I asked the question, different ways to communicate effectively, and I did a bit of a search on the big Google web and there was a few um, different ways that we can communicate, verbal, written, oral, face-to-face, non-verbal, physical, and as David Clarkson uses a lot, uh, paralanguage and visual. Now, David, tell us what paralanguage para is, because um, you say there's two ways of communicating. So what, 
How would you explain that? Yeah, well, my standard way of explaining this is, or talking about it, is to say, is to ask people how many languages they think they have. And I start off by saying one, and then two, and then three, and, and, any, and more than four sort of thing, and people put up their hands at various stages. But for all the people who put up their hands and say that they've only got one language, I in fact say that they've got two, because they, they in fact have their native language, and they have body language, and both are equally important when it comes to communicating with people. Yeah, I thought you'd explain that well. Thanks for letting me throw you in. Brilliant. So, communicating. So, I had a lady that was complaining. We uh, had a, a shop, and we basically thought when COVID-19 was on, we would put a message out to our customers, give them some peace of mind. And we said, we'll give them a guarantee that the product doesn't turn up in 60 days, that um, we would refund their money. So a lady received the products literally on day 61 and then demanded to get the money back and keep the products. And Helen was corresponding with her about 15 times and we thought, we, well, we, we weren't gonna give the money back, but I was amazed that people thought that. At the end of it, I took over the conversation and as the manager and um, wrote her a very stern email. And then I decided to tell her a joke and told her my joke about how I got pulled up the other day for going down a one-way street. And um, the policeman said to me, didn't you see the arrows? And I said, I didn't even see the Indians. <laughs> and then I said, and if you want to keep replying to us, because she wasn't going to give up, she was demanding she wanted $37 back. But eventually um, I said to her, if you write back to me again, I'm going to give you another dad joke. Uh, <laughs> So I just found a different way to communicate with her and turned it into humour and it kind of softened up and she changed her whole angle and approach and I won her over. And I just thought that was a funny way of communicating with people. Has anyone got any other experiences of turning something around where people have maybe miscommunicated or you've sent out the wrong message uh, and you need to turn it around? Well, it'd be, it'd be a shorter conversation if I, at the time I said I sent out the right message. But um, obviously in recruitment, I deal with a lot of people who, when you have to reject them for roles, and it's quite a challenge because some people take offence to that. Um, and uh, it, it, you have to be, when you have to turn people around because they get frustrated. They say, you know, why can't I be considered for this role? And you, you, then you have, to, you have to be very careful and respectful of them because people are very delicate when you're, you're judging them. You're sitting here on some sort of throne and you're judging them. And you can be very, very careful. You can't be condescending and, and you I can't like, be rude. I like being condescending. Yeah, yeah. You can be condescending. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's a really important part when people are choosing the careers and they have to earn money. And, and there's someone behind them saying with a pointy stick saying, go for that job. And then I have to turn them down. So the thing is, I just have to open up the commando and say, look, I've got 15 good candidates out of 200 for this role. And the three people ahead of you have got this, 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 and this, you know, and, um, and, and you're currently in South Africa. So, and, and I have to just go through it. And generally big people, when, I, when they come back, they're just fine, but it takes, you've got to be pretty, pretty careful on it. So um, if we put that in the chat box and summarize what you just said, would you say people, uh, you need to be a bit sensitive when communicating yeah. with some people? But also deal with facts. My thing is you deal with the facts and logic and you say, look, this is from my position. My job is to find the best person, not just get you. And then there's the five people. I've got a job out in the islands at the moment. So I have to say, I use logic. To use logic, take away the emotions, I would say. Right. That. 
Now, well done. Thank you. Yep. Anyone else got any experience with communicating? <clears throat> Every day. Every day. Well, I guess there's those, um, I think they call them courageous conversations, aren't they? When similar to what Lachlan was saying, but maybe in a workplace where you have to um, pull people up on their performance or even uh, lead them to a dismissal or maybe it's redundancy. And I think in those situations, it's having uh, a real clear, concise message that's easily understood with clear boundaries and expectations um, is the best way. So don't fluff around, I guess is what I'm saying. Get to the point. Um, and give people time to process the bad news, if it is bad news, and come back. You're fired. I'm ringing you back in half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, we're all hard, Danny. I know that. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not, that's why I'm not in that job. <laughs> so, yeah. So, those crazy conversations. It's the hard thing to do. It's very easy to praise people. It's very easy to people, give people a promotion or to, um, you know, to, where everything's going soon. Sometimes you have to do the other side and... Um, yeah, I've learned over the years, you just got to be direct to keep going. Even to the point when, unfortunately, I had a few situations where people have been crying on me and I give them a, a moment to pause, but then I just keep going um, because you have to get the message out. Wow. And is that like if you're laying somebody off or something like that and they've lost their job and, and they're trying to absorb that information, that sort of stuff? Yeah, because I think they, what they want is information. Um, especially in the redundancy thing, because you know, there's a whole process around that course, uh, you know, the change proposal. So you have to be really clear. So normally in that case, you do a whole lot of homework up front and you give the present the proposal why things need to change with um, some facts and figures if necessary, and that gives them a chance to think about it and come back. But yeah, I think um, it's important you get the message over um, in its entirety, and you can't spare their blushes. You can do things in a in a humane way mm. and in a respectful way, but you, you, if it's not working, it's not working. And when you're doing that sort of delivery of those sensitive stuff, I presume face to face is the best way to go. But if you had to deliver it over a phone call, is there a well? I, you, you, I know in this world something that might now be necessary, but I would not normally ever do that. Um, it's really hard. Um, so I had to get help for a client. I had to uh, someone who was within the night stay trial, and um, we had to let that person go. And I was the one who got who got the dubious task of actually giving the message, and that was hard. Yeah. Um, but I just had to go straight to the point, and yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, cool. All right, other people's experiences. Yeah, we've had a few experiences, especially when we're not directly interfacing with clients. Um, we're going through partners or like the middleman. Um, we just find it like very important to not only be clear and concise with your communication, but also back it up with like email and maybe get approval. Uh, yep, yep. Also, in lots of like cases, they come back and uh, they, it starts becoming a blame game oh. and when things go wrong and then you can always back it up with like an email comms. And in most cases, when we have backed it up with email, we don't really get any challenges afterwards because it's all crystal clear. And then, yeah, I think verbal communication is good, but it's always good to back it up with like some kind of written confirmation as well. 
first hand example of that was this week when my mate got his $2,000 cabinets delivered from Auckland and they were 600 by 600 with shelves in them that were 300 by 300 by 300 high. And if you do the math, it doesn't work out. But somewhere along the line, the guy said, my product's 300 high and I want to have them stacked three. And then he said, how big do you want the cabinet? So that's 600 by 600, $1,000 each. And he's trying to put his product. <laughs> and it was, all ver- it was all verbal. And I said, what's the correspondence? And he said, oh, we've we got, we, uh, you know. And then here I am, I dropped this cabinet off to somebody trying to smash the shelves out. And, uh, you know, and he's, he's ticked off. But simply by putting that in an email or confirming the dimensions would have saved $2,000 worth of dumb cabinets. Can I jump in on that? Yeah, bro. Uh, that's that's the main reason. So we use SketchUp to do all of our furniture designs. So when someone asks for a custom or whatever it might be, uh, I'll spend an hour drawing it. So there's an actual 3D picture dimension showing exactly what it is they're getting and what color it is. That's brilliant. Well, that people brilliant. don't. Yeah. People don't. People, or when I say people don't read, interpretation is up to the individual. <laughs> Yep. And uh, we found in the early days, years and years ago, when you weren't drawing stuff, um, you'd have things turn up from the factory and you'd be like, that's not what I ordered. <laughs> yeah. You go back yeah. through your, you know, you go back through your verbal communication and emails and then you can see where the misinterpretations happened. It's like, yeah. Uh, that was Steve, actually. So it was quite funny. Yeah. Yeah, okay. funny enough, I think we went to that, oh, I think I went in there with that shop, the shop for the guy, who makes the plastic PVC shelving. I think I've been in there with you at one stage. Well, maybe it was James, but um, yeah. Alrighty. So uh, yeah, so there's a problem obviously without communicating probably, um, especially when it comes down to, you know, stock or pe- meeting people's expectations. If uh, we aren't clear of our communications or it's here theory. Any other, experiences there well we're gonna um what, what's the problems <laughs> well there's a problem straight away um with uh not communicating probably you get the wrong product yeah yeah you get the wrong product the wrong service um time delays the wrong kind of quality oh yeah i'm just fixing spellings now uh, you end up wasting time Time. Ah, that's a good one. Wasting time. I'm going to put that down there. Wasting time. Uh, what's it? Who's that one? You can end up abusing customers. Abusing abusive customers or abusing customers? Abusing. Abusing. Yeah. And getting abusive customers. Yes. Uh, we're really not communicating well. We've, um, we, with our communication at the moment, we've employed a system called Remaze, and basically somebody, we're forcing people to go through our Contact Us page on our website, and then looking at all our email correspondence, and uh, yeah, we're just going through all our correspondence and looking for the commonly asked questions and then coming up with automated answers. And I said to Helen yesterday that I thought it would be quite nice if we... Um, declare that we have got a, a self-help um, knowledge base, which is like when you go fill up your car with petrol these days, you can use do it all on the app from your car and not even have to go in and pay for it. And I said, that should be our goal, really, is to basically have a self-service help desk and have the whole lot automated and no customer interaction. I'm sure that's going to piss off a lot of people. But if we 
let them know that from the outset that any questions that they may have is answered in a knowledge base. And if they ask a question that's not in the knowledge base, come back in three hours' time and walk at it. <laughs> I don't know if you can run a business like that, but I thought that might be a way other than sitting here answering 100 emails a day. <sighs> Miscommunication. So we've got problems. Misunderstanding, if not clear, that is a problem. What else have we got there? Thanks for the chat room stuff. That's good. Thank you. Oh, no, we've got two here. We've got Mark's updated. Mis miscommunication ends well. You guys have seen this. Might be doubling up there, but it won't matter. Uh, right, so what am I trying to say? And one of the things that I think, Danny, is, and that's what I've put in the chat room, is that one of the key things about communicating is that we focus on our clients' needs rather than our own needs. And if we make them the, the, uh, the focus, then the communication channels are more easily worked. Make them the focus. Put yeah. the customer first. Yes. Who me? <clears throat> Their needs. Say that again. Oh, it's, it's there. Oh, yeah, thank you. Up, yeah. Just trying to re-raise my screen. Um, word of advice, don't get a massive screen like I've got. It gets a bit like a big bit of real estate to keep an eye on all the, all the windows. <laughs> okay. But I do love my screen. Um, Clinton's going to like the barbecue. And by the way, if you want to go anywhere today at four o'clock, I suggest you go to Genius Coworking in Therimed because they're having a barbecue at four. <laughs> um... Right, so what are we at? where are we at, guys? I'm sorry I'm a bit vague. I'm um, being a bit naughty here, trying to multitask. Is this a good topic today? Did we pick a goodie? Yep. We did. Communications. Well, you guys are all wrong. <coughs> and I need to communicate that better, don't I? Yeah. I'll tell you what, just interesting, uh, this morning I was uh, part of a conversation and a person was on the receiving end of one of those <clears throat> conversations where uh, he's being called on to uh, jobs are established and people are being called upon to reapply for their jobs, which can be a difficult situation. Yep. And he and he referred me to Simon um, Sinek's book called uh, about the why concept. You know what we you know what we do, how we do it, why we do it, and he preferred particularly to the why and especially when those when we're in those sort of situations and we're faced with a dilemma it's why do we want to do the things that we want to do and if we've got that clear in our own minds then when we're applying for new jobs or applying for the same jobs or whatever we're doing it just means that we're coming from a place that makes or enables us to more clearly communicate what it is that we're looking for and what we can give and return. So kind of identify the why and why we want to communicate properly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it is a good question for us. Why, do we, why is it important to communicate? I mean, does it really well, matter? We're social animals operating in a society and that means that for us to operate effectively, we've got to be able to communicate effectively with one another. Because if we don't, if we're not able to do that, what you're going to end up is you're going to end up with in a global scale with anarchy, but on a smaller scale, you're not going to be able to effectively run your businesses and promote them if you can't communicate the key concepts around what you supply and why you supply. 
I was watching the press secretary for Donald Trump and mm. uh, all the uh, reporters questions last night on TV before I went to bed and that was not a good thing to go to sleep on and I just thought oh my god um, he does they just have no their communications terrible and all her answers were just going around around circles and I just thought there's got to be a better way of communicating with people but then obviously some people don't like people with our business at the moment people don't like what we're saying and telling us that we haven't answered their question but we have answered their question but they don't like the answer of it so then mm. they assume that we haven't answered, given them what they want <laughs> so we go we have actually said no you're not getting a refund because but you haven't answered my question and i go well we have you're not getting it <laughs> but you should so it's like it doesn't matter what i say even if i communicate it in pigeon language um it's still not getting through they're not absorbing what i'm saying i love customer service <laughs> It's the yeah, customer. your customers. Yeah. My customers aren't repeat customers. <laughs> but that's the whole point of business, isn't it? To make your customers repeat customers. Well, I don't know about that. I, I get about having good, like my mate that sells the watches, he builds a customer relationship and he does, bends over backwards and he does amazing. He's got that, that type of business, overnight delivery and all that. It's going really well. Somebody came into the shop the other day while I was there and she was demanding that the watch that her child broke when he was playing rugby should be fixed free of charge from Garmin. And she was telling them, if, if they don't do this, I'm going to do that. And he doesn't even work for Garmin. He's just, a, you know, and I was just watching the whole, even though you can be brilliant, you still get customers whose expectations are just off the wall. And ironically, he managed to get this lady's watch 100% replaced. And she went, thank you. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's just amazing. But anyway, back to life. Wow. <laughs> um, can I just say one thing I find with communication, it's between two people or two parties, but reflection is a really good thing to do um, just to improve your listening skills. To Someone delivers and you receive, but you may not receive it the way it was intended to be delivered. So reflecting on what you think you heard back to the person that delivered, I find is quite a good means of communication. Uh, I've done that before. Uh, uh, quote their own email, or quote their own words, and, and you know. But that's a really good point, now, Stephen, because um, just sometimes people would play it back themselves and, and to clarify. Because um, I, I did a classic a while ago. I, I had some career. Someone said, "Can you help a person with a career?" So this guy said, "Look, I haven't got enough. I have not good enough marks to do a coding programming job. So I'm looking at my options." And I'm thinking, "Oh, he wants to do stuff apart from programming." Yeah, but he didn't. So I talked to Atom for 45 minutes. I didn't even turn around and say, but how does that help him getting a programming job? Ah, oh, you want a programming job. I should have clarified before to find what actually do you want? Oh, I want a programming job. I just don't have good, good enough marks. Ah, oh, right. right. You know, mm, clarifying. <laughs> Could say 45 minutes, couldn't I? Yeah. Hey, Mark, you're a bit yeah. quiet today. Come on, what are you thinking? Your words of wisdom. Well, I'm, I'm I, want, I, want, my... I want the arms out here and I want the gesture. Yeah, okay, well, I'm practicing non-verbal communication at the moment. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and, and I'm just thinking and reflecting. Right, and that reflection's good. I'm enjoying that. Yeah. We may, may have to give you a topic. Like, I've had a few things. The 50 staff people there, I think you've said before and you've implemented something new, you, you couldn't just go in there and bowl out 50 
tell 50 people you'd win a few people over first and then blend them into the group around the room and then announce the announcement. You found yeah. that a good way of communicating? That was around, yeah, communicating change we were talking about then, weren't we? Yeah. Um, I think building on Stephen's point, though, I think that's clarification is really important. So that might be during a conversation when you say, okay, so what I think you're asking me is, and you play it back to them, but also I think the other part is if it's especially in a, um, a, meet, a conversation which has some meaning, some potential outcome, is just a summary email afterward which said, oh, great chat, blah, blah, this is what we agreed today. And to never leave anything which is vaguely important, you know, has implications, financial reputation or anything, always back it up in an email. And I've used that many, many times because otherwise you get this, a he said, she said, debates down the track so clarifying is important i think very important is that listening and playing and playback what they've said yeah yeah, yeah. almost spelling pretty good on that yeah. that's, that's a miracle um all right guys um anyone win a lot on the weekend no not yet i just <laughs> $59. After lockdown, we decided we'd never buy another lotto ticket again. And, uh, when we're in lockdown, we stopped buying lotto tickets because every now and again we do. And then on Saturday, when we're out of town, Helen says, I want to buy a lotto ticket. I said, no, we said we wouldn't buy any more. It's a waste of money. And she bought one and she won. $59. I bought one and oh, I wow. bought that, line. That must have been five numbers. <laughs> But yeah. Dan, did, oh, she, yeah. right. did she win $59 or did she spend 30 to get 59 well, and therefore only got the balance? I buy a $28 ticket and she buys a $16 ticket. I won one line, she won $59. <laughs> oh. yeah, I think big. But anyway, I'm trying to stop buying that. We was going to stop drinking, but that didn't work. So now we're gambling and drinking again. We're still vegans. <laughs> All right, thank you for those words. Um, it's only Friday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so is that a Matt James or is that a solution? Yeah. Yes, there's two there actually. It's just documenting key discussion points. No, they're going to bring you back in. Do your homework, use yeah. facts and right. examples. So I can do it as one point or two, do you reckon? Two. You take the first one up to document key discussion points. See, I'm lagged. You wouldn't think that, would you? Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, right. we've talked about um, gambling, alcoholism, um, <laughs> and deciding whether to start eating cows again. Being a vegan, no, we're not. Yeah. Uh, another thing about communication is the different mediums that you communicate in. People don't yeah. necessarily understand or have a clear recollection on the the medium that you prefer to present in. For example, being dyslexic, if you if you present something in words as opposed to hearing it verbally, you receive it or don't receive it in the same way it's been delivered. Mm. And if you know, if I have to get a neighbour's consent for a design that I do legally, I have to provide it in words as well as pictorial. And yep. I had a meeting the other day where my client, my husband, the husband of the client, he said that his wife's not very good in understanding. Um, the the spatial design. So I spent most of the meeting trying to verbally clarify to her 
And at the end of the meeting, I just asked her, can you just reflect and tell me how did the meeting go for you? And she said, everything was fine, except when you try and verbally explain it, I get totally lost. I had spent the whole meeting trying to verbally explain the designs because I thought that was her comprehension. And she said, oh, I'm happy I can understand the drawings, but I just don't understand the verbal delivery of the explanation. So it's understanding how that particular person you're communicating with best receives the information that's delivered to them. I think, I've, yeah, dyslexia is a really funny thing, actually, because I honestly uh, continuously trying to find the best way to communicate with somebody, but I, I often get judged on my email correspondence, and I think I'm not very good at it, um, but I wrote a, like, I'll write things in a blog form, and, like, Helen will read it back, and say, you're a really good writer, <laughs> but then I miss, you know, I, I lose faith in my words sometimes, but often I'm trying to express myself and for people to understand me, but if I take a an email that I've written and then I have a phone call with somebody, normally I find that easy articulating the way I want to get that message across because it, you might say one phrase then you wait for a reaction they go, oh my God, and you can hear the tone of their voice quiet, uh, and then you can make a, a you know, informed reply to that reaction because you can hear it in there, but you get no sensitivity with an email correspondence. Yeah. And I think it's also the, is, there's a generational thing too. So uh, my, my sons are in their early 20s, but them and their peers, it's mainly uh, through text or Snapchat and things like that they communicate. And there's so much that gets miscommunicated in, that, in, in those environments because they don't get the intonation or they don't hear the emotion of people. Um, and I'm almost telling them to get on the phone and talk to the friend. If there's a dispute with their friends or something, I'm always saying just speak to the person because you're just um so it's the, the art of communication uh effective communication i think is um well I, I hope it's not a dying art but it's a concerning thing that people don't use it as well as they could do these days but if you following yeah. up on that if you put adolescent children's together at the moment you see how they communicate through mail text when they're not face to face and they're nearly having uh, the conversation can can be nearly explicitly sexual, but you put them together in the same room and they can't say boodly. Topic. So, you know, the means of communication, it's a very interesting topic that you say, that there is a different generational um, means of communicating now, which is totally alien to how we were brought up and how we communicated ourselves. And, and cross, um, I guess, cross generations is, is becoming more and more interesting as we it's it's like you know um corresponding with your children from a younger generation to 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 how we communicated it we have to go through an educational process to understand mm. how to improve mm. our means of communication yeah stephen i just i just wonder how far it goes though um i think whilst they're in uh, especially in that's the school environments and what have you it's that works pretty well but once they get out and in inverted commas in the real world um, things change a little bit and one of the things that i find is that i'm getting consistently people from their mid to late 20s on coming on the communication courses trying to learn how to do it in a verbal sense how to have conversations with other people because they have missed out on those skills and because, in actual fact, they've got to be able to operate in a face-to-face -face situation with people. 
It's yeah. I- IRL in real life. Yeah. Actually, that's a good concept yeah. in itself yeah. is how to engage communication. Mm. You know, like um, I used to, when I was single years ago, I used to use pickup lines and I think, oh, I want to go meet those girls. How do I do it? <clears> and my <throat> best one was walking up to them and saying, um, would you like me to buy you a drink or do you just want the money? <laughs> They used, to, they used to laugh or get really insulted. And I thought, we're obviously not the person for me. But a friend of mine gave me some advice once, and he just walks up and says, hi, I'm, I'm Danny, and shakes their hand. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's really simple. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sometimes that first engagement when you meet somebody is, you know, to open the, you've got to open the, the communication, you know, start the dialogue, or how do we groom somebody for a conversation? But, you know, if we all turned off our screens so we couldn't see each other, would we have the same conversation? No. Unlikely. No. So we're the same people, the same generation, the same topic, but we're only seeing each other. So, you know, there are different things that trigger communication. Yeah. I think the difference is we have the wisdom to know that. Mm -hmm. No, I think the difference is we kid ourselves we've got the wisdom, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We, you know, we were talking before about the, the young people, and I've got two daughters in their 20s, and the um, conclusion I've come to is most people have a social media alter ego. Um, and I still remember one of my daughters saying, I've got this friend, she's crazy, she's crazy, she's into this cosplay thing, dresser. she's absolutely crazy. My goodness, I've met crazier stones than her when she actually <laughs> came along in real life, quiet as a mouse, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, you know, she would have been a quiet one in the auditors' convention, I tell you. Um, and uh, and the fact is, she you know, apparently she was just crazy. Oh no, she's all crazy online. And, and what David says is absolutely right. Is then they have to learn how to communicate in real life. But let's not kid ourselves. There's a lot of things that the younger people have. They're a lot more educated than we were about all of these things. They're a lot more aware of these things. It's just getting up and doing it's the, the challenge. Like in many cases, we were terribly ignorant at school ourselves. We didn't learn much at all uh, about real life. We learned what was in our village. Or our town, um, so we didn't know much about the world. So there's there's, there's wisdom in both sides. Yeah. I think, well, it's, I think it's interesting. It's interesting, you know, going on from that, Chris. That I think um, one of the key things is to have is to be able to have the confidence to be prepared to say what we have in our in our hearts and in our minds, mm. the knowledge and the skills and what have you that we have. And a lot of people just don't have that confidence to do that. And that inhibits communication hugely. Whereas if people, uh, any, don't, you know, whether it means go to a course and learn how to do it or whether just you just say to yourself, people want to hear what I've got to say and then, then say it. And you'll pretty soon find out if people don't want to hear what you've got to say. How do you build confidence? Yeah, you... More often than not, Chris, it's by actually doing it and yeah. by getting feedback after you've done it. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe that uh, um, the whole purpose of poetry and songs is so can, it gives oh. us a medium whereby we can say what's in our hearts mm-hmm. that we could never say in normal conversation. Yeah. It mm. has permission, different permissions. I know it's a bit deep, but when you think of what people would say in a poem and what's written in songs, is often what we'd be too scared to say if we were standing in front of someone. Are you going to start singing for us? <laughs> Thankfully not. Feedback. So getting, get confidence by doing and getting feedback? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and well, I think um, doing is a really important word. I mean, sitting on your laurels and not being proactive. I mean, if you do something and perhaps it doesn't go right and you make a mistake, it's owning up to it and knowing how to um, fix um, your mistakes or letting other people fix their mistakes. So if somebody said something wrong, letting them undo it, unravel it. Because I know when people read my emails and I've, I've read I've, with dyslexia, sometimes you miss out the small words. So if you said I cannot do something, can you forget to put the word not in front of it? It's very hard going back to that client and saying, oh, actually, I'm dyslexic and I forgot to put the word not <laughs> in front of that correspondence. Can we please take that out again? I said, no, you said, <laughs> and I go, oh, okay. But now I'm telling you that I made a mistake, but you're not accepting that. You know, so sometimes you foobar it up, which I don't want to explain what foobar means if you don't know. I think the same That's thing. Like a well-known politician. Yeah. Who's... <laughs> He left the knot out. <laughs> so uh, he says. That's good. Admit when you are wrong or have made mistakes. Yep. So that is a solution. It is, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Because you know, if you fluff around and and just can't say the word sorry or I've made, then that's that's a relationship thing as well. You just got to say, yeah, I stuffed up. Yeah, and we're not only human. Being vulnerable. If you show your vulnerability to somebody then that, that opens communication. Mm. Yeah. Mm. People who prey on that or, you know, <laughs> it's like the lady who wants her $37 gift back. You know, it's like, you're not getting it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, hey, perhaps I should, should have, you know, perhaps we should have just given the money back and said, hey. But then I thought, no, that's not right. Be transparent. Uh, solution. Be transparent. How's that work? Who said that? Yeah. Be, be yeah. What does that mean? Be transparent. Yeah, be transparent means um, put your cards well, on the table. Sense, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Uh, be open, honest, and some of the previous points. Yeah. yeah. So if you see there's a problem with your communication, just like maybe try different angles to. Mm. One of my favourite audio books, I've listened to it four times, is actually uh, called Flip It by Michael Hempsey, Hemp, uh, not Hempsey, somewhere else. And um, basically that's what they say. If, you, if you're taking 48 hours to get back to somebody of an urgent email, rather than making an excuse, own up to it and say, look, I've just been overwhelmed. I'll get that back to you in an hour. I come up with some practical advice around it so that you can see that you're proactive. Um, you know, own up to it. I think it's great. It's Josh Rogan, Danny, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I'll tell you in a second. It's a brilliant book, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm always on the, uh, the hunt for books, actually, if you ever do have any. But it's called Flip It. Uh, flip, flip It. Uh, yeah, and it's by a author that I can't see at the moment. Oh, Michael H-E-P-P-E-L-L. -L. I'll put it. Oh, Hipple. Oh, okay. Hipple, oh, there you yeah. go. Got that wrong. Oh, I know. I used it. Uh, he, Josh Rogan used it on one of his courses. That's what. Oh, did he? All oh, right. Yeah, and no, I find it really good. I'll put it in the notes here. But I've actually listened to that book quite a few times because it is actually about ownership. Um, and it's called How... Um, oh, it's gone again. How can it go when I just had it up? Anyway, uh, where are we at, guys? Um, one, one of the things. 
I think uh, helps our communication is where we can, whenever it's appropriate. If we're speaking with other people face to face or even on, on this medium, if we, can, if we can say it with a smile, people accept what we're saying a hell of a lot more easily than if we've got the serious, oh, you know, it's, it's world shattering sort of comment look on our face. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. you can say it with a smile. Why not? Yeah. A smile goes a long way. Try it. Try it. I remember one of these earlier meetings that we had, we had a, I mentioned another lawyer and there's a lawyer in the room and I could see him when I was mentioning this other lawyer, he obviously doesn't like other lawyers and you could see him going like this in the window going, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, everyone's watching you, mate, your body mannerism, <laughs> obviously you don't like other lawyers, but yeah, that was quite funny, well, it wasn't funny at the time, uh, <laughs> but anyway. The whole concept of communication um, with earthquakes and with COVID where we've actually had to operate from home or secondary buildings or broken half broken buildings. Lachlan it was interesting when we started these Zoom meetings that you were concerned what was in the background so your persona of how your clients view you that if it's going to be a recording we start getting concerned about our look our presentation people's perception of what how we operate and what we do is in our profession on how we look, what we wear, what's our car like, what's our house like. You know, there's the barriers, the barriers have been broken down and tested as we've gone through COVID and operating from home. And, you know, I've, I've got a door behind me and, you know, all that sort of thing. It's, it's the, you know, people come to me for design for not how I look. It's for the creation that I can give them. And, but all that, perception or pre-perception of somebody is all part of the communication process. Mm. Isn't it interesting how all the Zoom backgrounds have disappeared now? Yeah. Why is that? I can get the green screen. It's in the mail. I'm buying it from my own shop. It's going to take six weeks. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm going to be... Yeah. Well, that, that's an interesting thing, though, because I'm thinking that too, actually. That's a really good observation. But, you know, Paul's sitting there. I always thought you are in your shop, Paul, until you, until you walked through that wall the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the image behind me is not pretty, so I changed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. All right, so where are we going? We've got 10 minutes yet, so we're thinking about some takeaways we've got from today's discussion of communication. Um, if you want to ping a few of those out, think about something we can get our teeth into next week is another good idea. Uh, I love communication. I think it's really cool. I know a guy that's got a company called Dynamic Communications. He's pretty cool. Uh, I think there's a little communicator there. <laughs> hey. what, what was that again? There's the little communicator in there in Auckland. Little communicator. Oh, there is too. How yeah. do children communicate with their parents? Don't. <laughs> Bad face? Tweet says huck. There's many I was at a restaurant the other day and there were these youngsters sitting next door to us and they were all talking to each other via their mobile phones. Yeah. And yeah. um it was just so amazing to watch this and not one word to each other. When the food came, they'd put them down and started eating, then back into their mobile phones. Mm. It was it was a specific culture, but um even then it just shows you how things have changed. But we have strict policies here that we try and keep it like face to face. I think mm. that's important to balance communication channels. Mm. 
You still need a, a blend of it, don't you? You can't just take it all to one medium. I mean, I did yeah. watch people's life drain out of their faces after two months of Zoom. Um, and it's, it is quite, um, it's funny, I've met some people I hadn't seen for three months and then all of a sudden you bump into them and you forget, oh, I haven't seen you for three months. <laughs> you know, yeah. but then you, something's different and it's like, oh, we're going to go through the yeah. handshake and how you doing, mate? Because they haven't seen you for three yeah. months in person and you forget that pretty quick. But something's missing. Is it? It's like a chemical that's not in your, in your diet that you don't realise. It's like us being vegans. Yeah. Apparently, when I first started being a vegan, I had to make sure that I get vitamin what? B? B12. If I didn't have B12, B12 I'd go loopy. Yeah. And I'd go, oh, I must have B12. So I rushed out. With Take B12. some more, Danny. Yeah, yeah. B12 every day and was putting it under her tongue. And then I got some pills, which are in my glove box. I haven't touched them for two months. Oh, I'm not loopy. No, no, no. But yeah, but you have some deficiency if you don't do it well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, Stefan's uh, comment about how you follow up things with an email is really important. It, as I've said in previous think tank meetings, I used to talk about what I'm going to do to market somebody's website and the structure and the format. And then they'd ask me to put it all in writing. Yeah. And a guy can't put that in writing. It's too long. Just have to wing it and trust me. But I still had to put the price that I was going to charge them and the hours I was going to spend on it. And at the end of it, I had to sort of summarize what they would get if they employed me to do something for them, because that's the important part. But I can't, the philosophy around you know, I can't doc document my whole life in paper and words, especially being dyslexic. You could attach a video recording of what you just said. Yeah, here's a 50 gigabyte file. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like hey. after, after this meeting, it takes um, about 45 minutes for this meeting to be compressed in a way where I can extract the video, uh, the sound out of it for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then to upload that to a Dropbox. <laughs> But, you know, what you've just said, Daddy, is very similar to people who say you've been in a meeting and you're taking the minutes and deciding what's important to go in the minutes and what's just sort of hearsay and stuff that's said, if you like, on the side or uh, on the periphery. And uh, I think very often it's that's sitting down and actually saying to yourself, well, hey, this is the important stuff. That's what's got to go in the memo. It's the same as if you're putting a bunch of minutes together, you know, yeah. as we do. I always say tennis with people who suggest that I write it down. I say, oh, well, feel free to take notes. <laughs> and I'll sign it afterwards. <laughs> it was interesting because we're all, you know, the, the way the trend is going with clients who aren't local is to use Zoom and, and another communication mediums. But I've always found it interesting that when I used to do a lot with international uh, suppliers or customers you would do that or you'd have conference calls as it was in the day before zoom sort of thing but when you occasionally would actually go and physically visit them or they would come and visit you you'd make so much progress in the amount of hours yeah. than you did over all the communications and uh, and um and it was quite it was amazing you know you you'd just suddenly get to the same point again you could have drifted apart on understanding and then and sometimes you'd have a social aspect, you know, you, they take you out or you take them out. And it was such a positive thing. And I think that's what's forgotten about the assumption that we can do everything on Zoom and the like going forward. Yes, it absolutely has its place. Um, but there is, yeah, there's something to be said about the face-to-face, real-time real stuff too. I haven't actually told you what I actually used to do with people who had asked me to write it down. I I've originally, at the very end, I come up with what I call a letter of understanding. 
and it was an understanding of the services I provide and it was a general letter and I used to always get my clients to sign it so they understood the services I provide and that was sort of a way of bypassing me writing word for word what I proposed to do um, but then I wanted them to because the problem I used to have with my website development is I used to be part of a collective of websites that all interlinked and there was no real ownership of any of that it was like um, and uh, so people wanted to have their ownership of their own website so if they ever left me, they'd want to take their page out of the yellow pages, so to speak, and then go on and carry on using that advertising. And I'd say, well, you're actually advertising in the yellow pages. And when you leave me, you can't take your advertising with me. I'll repurpose that to somebody else. And uh, it used to always blow their brain. So at the end of the day, I just wrote up a letter of understanding and, and got them to read it and um, sign it and return it back to me so they didn't have any misunderstandings later on. And that was kind of like a saving grace for me, really, if that makes sense. I also have found an, an experience over the years is, yes, having means of communication being very successful, but documenting that means of communication helps for future liability and litigation. Yeah. And I was lucky that I used to sit down as soon as I finished all my meetings and spend 15 minutes to 20 minutes writing my own file notes on what was discussed at that meeting. And with all the leaky house stuff that come out um, you you got uh, requested to come in for, for for litigation meetings, and if I hadn't recorded all those file notes, they are perceived to to override what people say verbally. Um, mm. Recollection of what happened in those meetings, and that actually protected me a hell of a lot um, in future scenarios. And you know, yes, we may have a really good means of communication. We may get together. We may do it verbally but we still need to document it and summarize it. Um, and I don't know documentation Zoom meeting, but if this is a recorded Zoom meeting, you could go back to that recorded meeting as proof of what was said in the, in the meeting, whether you documented it or not. And I guess a recording of a Zoom meeting, everyone's there with intent to know that they were recorded, therefore it can be used in evidence. But there is, there is that, that side of communication as well for future referencing back to. Yeah, that's cool. Um, funny enough, I did go to small claims court with a lady once who um, decided to reverse her credit card after I did one and a half websites for her. And uh, my saving grace was the fact that every every conversation on the phone I had, I actually the time and the agreement. And um, it went so good in my favour that when I was leaving the mediator's room, I turned and she was flabbergasted that she didn't get her money back. And... Um, the mediator guy, I turned around and said to him, are we still on for squash on Saturday? And I still remember the look on her face because she thought it went so much my favourite. It was just like me and the mediator guy were um, friends. <laughs> but my saving grace was the fact that I had document documentation. Uh, I hadn't even done the job. I'd done a lot of research and nothing to prove that I'd done this research that she had agreed for me to do. Uh, and it was just amazing. But the saving grace obviously is I had documentation even if it was a verbal phone call i said at two o'clock on thursday we discussed this we did this and then on tuesday we did this and that and it was just something simple but <laughs> there's one thing that's really good these days obviously is we have correspondence with an email even if we flick an email to summarize at the end of a conversation there's that sort of paper trial all right guys um next week's conversation and any more takeaways in the chat room would be good what can I discuss next week that will make you guys all come back at 9.30? <laughs>
How's our mental wellness? I have, we could change tack for a wee bit. Because a lot of people at the moment are saying to me, well, I'm carrying on as normal. And I don't, you know, the talk of recession and, and all that sort of stuff. But at the moment, I'm still doing okay. And I'm trying to think, um, are we waiting for something to happen? Or should we just carry on? And I, I like to just carry on and work with what we've got scenario. Um, but there's a lot of that negative cloud over us which I'll be honest, it, we're all waiting for some sort of cloud to smother us and start choking us, but it hasn't happened. So is that something we need to discuss, or is it mental wellness? Mental well, resilience. Yeah. Mental, oh, resilience. mental well-being in business. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think um, the psychological effects, we're, we're like soldiers, I reckon, because we're trying to, we aren't relying on scallops or the, like that plant that just shut down, that's massive. I thought it had it um, takes a third of New Zealand's electricity. The the no, elementary but imagine the impact that will have on the community. That's ten percent of New Zealand's power. Well, thirteen percent of New Zealand's power mm -hmm. goes out through the bottom end of the South Island. Is that now is it? Hey, okay. is that shut? I missed that. Is that now? Yeah, they threw thirty million or thirty billion. I don't know into it. Oh, to survive it, and they're not doing it. Thirty again. million. Yeah. They're asking to pay four cents a kilowatt hour of electricity. Who? Rio Tinto. So when, when was that closure announced? I heard yesterday. Yesterday, I missed How many, sorry? 10,000. Wow. Thousand 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 well, they reckon it's mm. going to go cheap. I don't understand how that works. No, it won't. No, it won't. And that community is so reliant on TY. Yeah. Oh, no, I miss that. Yeah, so I think that's a massive, uh, I think, you know, because I think our mindset is very important. So, I mean, I'm uh, mental wellness and business. I mean, I think we've got a sort of, uh, I think it's a big thing. I like to discuss it. If you guys are keen, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. So what else did you get from coming to the meeting today? Give me a couple more takeaways. Or I'll, I'll ban you. Oh, sorry, my communication skills aren't really We're the repeat customers that you do want, Danny. What's the customer again? You know, you're the, you're the only guys who get my customers to support. If you bought from my shop, it'd be different. You know that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Come on, that's good. All right, what are we doing here? So it is 10.31 and other people have their life. We've got to get a warrant of fitness for Helen's old car today. It's really exciting. She bought a new car, which is quite exciting. <laughs> we have to park my car on the road so we can take her car out of the garage, but it never comes out. That was exciting. Mm. All right, guys, I'll finish the meeting. If you are, listen to our Think Tank meeting. Thank you for tuning in. Um, don't forget, uh, we're online at elite6.co.nz and we can be listened to on our podcast. Uh, podcast.elite6.co.nz if you want to listen to other shows. Thank you very much, and we'll turn this off so I can swear. How do I do that? Turn the sound off. Must get that right. Stop recording. All right, see you next week.